This is the Lover and the Fighter podcast with Josh Cohen and Dean Thomas. It is the Lover and the Fighter podcast episode number, what is this, four? Is it four? Have we really been doing I'm, this that long? I'm, I'm counting on you to keep track, bro. Okay, four. You know, my let's, brain, just, let's just say four. My brain doesn't work this well okay. at this point. Then again, what am I counting on you for? Yeah. Jesus <laughs> As Christ. If my brain is any better. The two of us together, neurologically, is one brain. Is like dumb and dumber. Yeah. Damaged and damaged her. <laughs> it is the Lover and the Farter podcast. Yeah, it's episode four. Yeah, we made it this far. No idea how, no idea why. I would be the love in the equation. Lover, brother, love. That would be... The fighter, Dean Thomas, the UFC MMA pioneer, UFC multimedia star, and uh, now we can officially say in-fight analyst. Yes, officially, I'm an in-fight analyst. I'm so proud of myself. You should be proud of yourself. You should be. Boy, that music went away quickly, didn't it? It just kind of disappeared, like just vanished. Like We must be on like studio time. Are we renting time? Is that what this is? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, welcome back from Houston 262. It was another night of gruesome injuries. Congratulations. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. And sorry to all the guys who got hurt during that. It's been a disgusting three weeks. It has been, but it's been great for pay-per-view. Dead feet, Mm -hmm. shattered legs. Yeah. Then we've got shattered arms that snapped uh, in Jacare Sosa. And then just knees torn to shreds in the form of Tony Ferguson. Yeah. Really just disgusting, actually, two weeks. Yeah, it has cards. been. But that's good, though. I think that the people need, we needed that right now. Like, with, with the fans in attendance, like, that was something that everyone needed. With all the casuals and all the new fans of MMA and UFC, it's good once in a while to remind them that it is a gruesome sport with just disgusting injuries. Yeah, because, like, sometimes I think people forget. You know, they just want, want us to go out there and just beat each other up. But this is really serious. Well, like, people get hurt. You, you know how much you and I, for those that don't know, Dean and I do a daily radio show for ESPN in South Florida, Josh Corner, the home team, with Dean Thomas. And that's weekdays 3 to 5 on uh, the radio smart speakers by saying play ESPN 106.3 and on the ESPN app. And we talked about when ESPN moved the card to ABC in February. From Abu Dhabi, or mm-hmm. from uh, you know Fight Island, we talked about how that's a Saturday afternoon in February where little kids are waiting for the Frozen movies to come on. Yeah, because normally Saturday afternoons ABC they're showing you know Disney Pixar stuff, Frozen, Frozen Two, Olaf's Frozen Adventure, and instead they watch Calvin Cater get beat to within inches of his life by Max Holloway, who was just for five rounds just peppering them. Yeah, I think that they they need to reconsider what fights they're going to put on Saturday that afternoon. Time. Saturday <laughs> afternoon, I, I think they need to stick with like uh, featherweight fights. Yeah. yeah. Take it easy. Yeah, better weight fights where it's not as normally as gruesome. But who expected that from Holloway and Cater, though, in February? Yeah. Oh, I mean, with flyweight fights. But, yeah, yeah. I know no one expected that. No right. one expected that. No. But, yeah, I think they stick with flyweight fights, you know, 125 pounds and under for everybody. Meanwhile, you're sitting next to Dana. Uh, Khabib, that was that weekend. Uh, no, he was with y'all, too. Yeah, he was with he y'all. Was, yeah. But you're sitting next to Dana, and then Dana's back there like um, like like Adrian in, in Rocky Four. Stop the fight! Yeah, he's like, stop the fight! Is somebody going to stop this? <laughs> Meanwhile, I had uh, money on third round, fourth round, fifth round stoppage. Uh, you know, yeah. max at like 20 to 1 odds. And I'm like, stop the fight! Stop the... Listen to with Dana! No, yeah. With no Jesus concern Christ. no concern for Calvin Cater's I was, safety. Bro, I was most concerned for Calvin Cater's safety. And I knew that he would be safe like my money yeah, if they just he... stopped the fight right there. <laughs> Come on, Dean. Think about what you're saying. I see, I know. All right, let's get to Saturday night. This past Saturday, you were there doing uh, in-fight analyses. Uh, Tony Ferguson, uh, where does he go from here? That's the question. You know, the thing is with Tony is that he's got so much pride and his mind is telling him that he's still who he was five years ago, that he's a fighter, but he's not that guy anymore. 
and he he needs to make sure he surrounds himself with people who remind him that he's not that guy anymore. He needs to go and hang it up because this, it's over for him. You sound like an R. Kelly song because my mind is telling yeah. me, but my body, mm. no. His body's saying, I'm not tapping, but yeah. please stop doing that to my knee. Yeah, but you know, the thing is like, you know, you're, we're talking about a guy who we once thought could beat Khabib Nurmagomedov. And he could have at one and point. And he could have maybe. He could have. Like that That window was only open for such a small amount of time. And you got to jump in and get it done when it's open. Yeah. And he didn't do that. Timing so, is yeah, everything. Timing is everything. And now it's over for him. I mean, I don't really even know there are many fights in the top five that he could win. Yeah. It's amazing because that fight, you know, Justin Gagey, we watch that and you're like, he's not a human being. Look at the abuse he's taken. Look at the beating he's taken. And he was literally, not figuratively, but literally trying to shake off, like, brr, yeah, trying to shake off the damage before that fight did eventually get stopped. Um, and here we are now where we go, he's almost become um, a sympathetic character, where it's like, what might have been so damn close, what a shame. He talked in the press conference about Michael Chandler having, quote, Dana White privilege. Not white privilege, but Dana, Dana White, white privilege, privilege yeah. right, which was the line of the year thus far. Yeah. But- Tony had what twelve consecutive victories and didn't get a title shot at one point. Yeah, but it's it's everything is timing. Of course, you know everything is timing. People don't understand that they're just looking at the fact that Michael Chandler came in. But when Michael Chandler came in, like he was, was the, the, right time. the right time. Yeah, I mean if he came in, you know, a couple of years ago, it wouldn't have been the right time. Yeah. It just happened to be the right time. It wouldn't have nothing to do with Dana White privilege. Well, but it's a cute line to use though, because there's different. white privilege and then there's Dana White privilege when you're a white fighter. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, though. I got Dana White privilege. Yes, you do. All right, let's move on now to the next second round here. Uh, what is your biggest takeaway from UFC 262 this past Saturday night? Sold out Toyota Center, Houston, Texas. Boy, Buffer was enjoying that. Wasn't Buffer. to play into the crowd? Yeah. Buffer was enjoying Was that your biggest takeaway? I'm kidding. No. What, biggest takeaway at 262 is what, Dean Thomas? My biggest takeaway really, well, I had two. I think that the, the grit and how tough and how good Edson Barbosa looked at featherweight, mm. that was a takeaway. I mean, the way he knocked out Shane Burgos was like, I mean, we've never seen a delayed knockout like that. Shane Burgos was punched, got back in his stance, started coming forward, and then his body just shut off and he just, like like a drunk It was, I mean, look the corner. We've seen this, and you've seen it up close and personal, from, from liver shots. Yeah. You see it from body shots. You see where it takes a second to register, and all of a sudden the fighter recognizes, oh, I've never in my life, and that's boxing and MMA according across the board, I've never seen anyone take a head strike and then have that delayed of reaction, that type of reaction. I mean, it's a little scary. Yeah, I mean, it was scary. I mean, you would you think it's more than just like head damage is done there. Like There's yes. something inside that's deeper because yes. he was coming back, and then he just shut off. So you think that there's something in there deeper. So like, but that's one of my takeaways. Edson Barbosa is a serious threat at featherweight. Then also, too, what I take away is that no matter what level you're at, you can never be too good for the moment. And I say that because Michael Chandler, here's a guy who came over from Bellator, but he was put in a situation that he's never been in before. He's never fought in front of a crowd like this before mm -hmm. in these moments. And there was some tactical mistakes that he made in that fight. And you know, he's fighting for the championship, but a guy even like that still makes mistakes that he can learn from this experience. So, yeah, I mean, the audience doesn't know this for the most part, but I study nonverbals, nonverbal indicators. Body language, if you will, is a common term. I text you on Thursday and said, do you want to know my read 
on Chandler at the ceremonial weigh-in. This is press conference weigh-ins. And then you said, of course, and I sent you the text message. As he walked out, his eyes were transfixed on that belt. Mm-hmm. His, he wouldn't take his eyes off the belt until Olivier approached and then they were face-to-face. Um, Chandler's feet were super busy. He had all kinds of nonverbal tells that indicated anxiety, that indicated stress and discomfort. In fact, some of them indicated he want to be there. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't want to fight. Right. But what it does indicate is he is not comfortable in this moment with this opponent on this stage. You can deduce from that what you so choose. And, of course, you compare that to his baseline behaviors. But I didn't like that Chandler was staring at the belt, couldn't take his eyes off the belt, because then he's making that fight more than it needs to be. You yeah. fight all the fights the same way, and then you have that consistency. When, in fact, you treat this, oh, my God, it's my title shot. Oh, my God. That's not motivating. That's terrifying. Yeah, and it, it becomes too much, does it not? And that's why, you know, when I train my fighters, I always try to make the conditions the same. Because I make I want the warm-up to be the exact same way yep. that you're going to warm up before you go out to fight. Your mind should be the same way. Everything needs to be consistent. Because you're going to get good at what you do often. So when you... Make it so different from your training or from other experiences. It's a brand. You're in brand new territory. You can't train for that. You can't prepare for that. You can't get better at that. And I think that's kind of what happened to Chandler. He was putting some spots, and while he was looked fantastic that first round, he was putting some spots where he probably could have finished mm-hmm. that he didn't because he may have rushed it. Absolutely, Again, that anxiety. He may have rushed it. He just wasn't used to these spots. So. But these are things that he's going to learn as, as time goes on. You and I text all the time during fights about precision versus power because I'm a big fan of precision. And you'll notice the fighters that have the success at finishing time, just like in soccer, whether you watch European and Italian, you know, the Italian Serie A or La Liga or, of course, uh, champions in, in you know, Premier League. The guys that finish, the guys that are precise in that moment, they put the ball in the back of the net. And Chandler had opportunities in the first round there to finish. But he went power and wild. The moment got yeah, it got a little ahead of rush yeah. as opposed to precision. But when Oliveira had the opportunity, you notice he was patient. Mm-hmm. The peas work together. The patience and the precision can then give you that power. Yeah, that finishes things, and that was the difference in that fight. And that's one thing. That's why you know, regardless of the outcome of that fight, everybody's still going to say with with general consensus that Dustin Poirier is the best lightweight in the world because he has that. He has the ability to, no matter what, be able to put guys away once he sees them hurt. That's the, that's the important thing to have. That's the most important thing. It is. Putting away at finishing at finishing time, right? Yep. All right, let's continue. Uh, Font and Galbrandt, what does this mean for the bantamweight division? Dean Thomas, Oh, my God, you. this is such a, it's an incredible and amazing fight between these two guys. I mean, these are two guys that sometimes go under the radar because that division is so stacked with the champion being Aljamain Sterling and the way he won it against Peter Yan. Mm-hmm. So, like, now you got these two guys fighting. And depending on what happens in this fight, we could be looking at a, a potential contender for the title. Really? Yes. Out of this fight out here? Out of this fight here, yes. If Garbrandt goes out there and, and starches Font, he can make a case for a title shot. Wow. And so could Font. Font could make a case for a title shot. Obviously, Corey Sanhagen could get in the way, but Corey Sanhagen seems like a patient guy who would let it would let it pass up. So this is a very important fight for the bantamweight division. We're looking at a potential title contender. Wouldn't there be a, a redo, a run back of Aljamain Sterling and Peter Gunn, first and foremost? Yeah, that's first and foremost going and to foremost. happen. First and foremost, that is going okay. to happen. Then, again, whatever happens with this fight, then you still got Henry Cejudo on the wings who may get, you know, may get the urge to want to come back. Then you got Corey Sanhagen. 
the Bantamweight division is hot right now. I don't know if people are, really, are recognizing that, but the Bantamweight division is hot. I, I think you're right when you say under the radar. People aren't recognizing. They're not talking about. They're not tweeting about. They're not speculating about. And maybe that's because how that belt was decided and how unfulfilling that was and the controversy of people going, is he hurt? Is he not hurt? Should it be the rule? Should it not be the rule? People often confuse what the rule should be with just what the rule is, and you have to follow what it is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, and, and I think that it wouldn't be so bad with the way Al Jermaine handled it, you know, with the way he's handling it now. Mm-hmm. And I think that because he is flexing with the belt, people are just kind of like, wait a minute, you didn't even win this belt Did properly. you win it, yeah. or did he lose it on yeah. disqualification? So, yeah, so I think that's really what's kind of hurting his popularity is the fact that he is flexing with the belt. So it's kind of hurting his popularity, which ultimately hurts the whole division. Because yeah. now everybody's like, all right, forget about this division. This division is phony. You you remember when there was a golf pay-per-view event between Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods. It was Thanksgiving weekend 2019. It was for like $9 million. Mm-hmm. It was just head-to-head. I remember. And there was a chance right there. Tiger had like a four-and-a-half, five-foot putt. And Phil Mickelson said, pick it up. I don't want to win like this. Which really is talking shit. Mm-hmm. But it also was saying like, yo, for the television audience, um, just pick it up. Let's keep this drama going. Aljamain Sterling hasn't really said... Well, I don't want to win it like this. Let's go ahead and run this back, and we'll just pretend like that didn't happen. And I'll show you why I deserve because I am the champ. Well, here's the thing: is initially he did say that. Tried I think to. He tried to say that initially, but he took so much heat initially that I think the pendulum swung back so far to the other side with his reaction yeah. that he was like, "No, you know what? Since y'all going to treat me like this, this is where I'm going." And he shouldn't have. He should have kept it in the middle and be like, "Nah, you're right." I don't want to win this way. And I think he would have gained more fans that way. And I think people also compare, obviously, to, you know, Lionheart Smith in a similar situation of you had a chance there, but you chose not to. But I think the rule's a rule. It should never be in the fighter's decision. No, it should, it should never be. be a case of can you continue. When it happens, if it happens, the referee then makes that decision, and that's it. And you can say, no, 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 let the fight continue. I don't want to win like this. And the ref can say, too bad, it's over. The yeah, rule's a rule. Rule's a rule. And then, then it's not in your control. And then, you know what? You're right. Diego Sanchez won that way. Yeah. And he but he asked prior, if I if I can't continue, do I win? And he said, Yeah, he said, All right, I can't fight. Uh, what's <laughs> going on with uh, Diego Sanchez and uh, his trainer and you? Uh, You're six feet tall now? Yeah, I'm six feet tall six now. Two? I'm six feet tall now, and I didn't step <laughs> to him. He he was like he's like, I don't know why his six foot black friend didn't stand up if he had a problem. The uh, six foot black friend. Uh, what's the most troubling part for you on that? The six foot or the black or the friend part? I, <laughs> and by the, the way, we're, we're talking about with Matt Sarah. Yeah, with yeah. Matt Sarah. Yeah. I, the black part. Because the six foot part was, you know, I'm like, hey, hey, hey what's up? Thanks. You know what I'm saying? Friend, you, you know, yeah. that I'm a good guy. Yeah. But the way he said black, so like you always say, it's not what we say, it's how we say it. thousand percent. The way he said it. What's was his like, deal? What's that kid's deal? He's a con artist. He is. He's a con artist. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, fighters are very vulnerable, especially during the ups and downs of their careers. You know, they go up and down, so they're very vulnerable. Has he, he ever been slapped? Has he ever been slapped? I don't think so, but I think he's, you know, he's standing away from people now. Well, you should because they're probably going to give you a slap. Yeah, he's going to get slapped. Now's a good time to do that. Let's get to UFC Fight Night Font Galbrand, as you just mentioned a moment ago. Um, this card Saturday night is on ESPN Plus. It's back in the Apex. There will not be fans. There's lots of good fights, and uh, obviously the main event, which you spoke of earlier. What are you looking forward to most in, in on the this main, card? Uh, for me, actually, I think the best fighter tonight is going to be Edmund Shabazian 
and Jack Hermanson. I mean, this is a fight. Edmund Shambazian was a guy who everybody was high on. Yeah. He ran into a brick wall in Derek Brunson. I think he may have taken him lightly. And or Derek Brunson's on a resurgence anyway. But that's going he's fighting now. Jack Hermanson's going to be a little bit more opened up for him. So I think this fight is going to be spectacular. So from a technical standpoint, you're going to see a lot of good stuff. And then from a fan perspective, it's going to be a fast, action-packed fight. Didn't uh, Hermanson have a questionable victory himself when it came to whether or not it was a groin strike? Was that him? I'm trying to remember. Probably shouldn't no, have brought I, I don't think that, yeah, that no, probably think wasn't that was him. him. Yeah, I apologize for that. Uh, and then Felicia Spencer and then uh, Norma Dumont. I know you pay close attention on the women's side, obviously, with your history yeah. of coaching and your current stable, including Jillian Robertson. Happy birthday, belated. Yeah, happy to the yesterday for her. Yeah. But uh, Felicia Spencer is going to be a little too much for her. She's a little yeah. too strong on the ground, and, and her coaching staff is, is phenomenal. All right, so let's pick that main event of the evening. Rob Font, Cody Galbraith, no love. What do you like here? Uh, you know what? I'm gonna. It's about a pick 'em. Yeah, it, it is a pick 'em. It's about a pick 'em. You know, Cody Garbrandt, You know, he's the most talented guy in the division in terms of like athleticism, really? probably even skill. Like he can do things that no one else can do. But the problem is he doesn't always fight his best fights, mm-hmm. and he doesn't always perform the best. Now, Rob Font, on the other hand, is the exact opposite. Not that talented, but always fights a good fight. Very good fundamentals. And gets the job done. Back Very in the effective. apex. Forget about Houston last mm-hmm. week. Because if this is in Houston with that crowd, you give advantage Cody. Yeah. But in the quiet apex, silence words just like, you know, training in the gym. Who gets advantage based on that? Rob Font. He yeah, does. Yeah, Rob yeah. Font. He's just, say that. He started putting that jab out on Cody. It's going yeah. to frustrate him, make him make mistakes. Subscribe to this podcast. Tweet it out. Tell your friends. We don't have a Twitter page. We don't care. We don't get paid. But anyway, subscribe, download, yeah. rate accordingly. For Dean Thomas, Josh Cohen saying thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time for the Lover and the Fighter podcast.